WrestleVille.com presents the book Lance by Chance, wrestling as a Von Eric. Hear how he was discovered, what happened when he was at World Class, and the adventures he had when he left Dallas. Also available, the Pro Wrestling Vault, Volume 1 and 2. Read stories of the Northern Wrestling Federation, Jazz, Bobby Eaton, Thunder Rosa, Tracy Smothers, Harley Race, PJ Black, Bushwhacker Luke, The Fantastics, Ricky Morton, Scott Casey, Tim Storm, Kamala, Sauronaro, Jeremiah Plunkett, Andrew Anderson, and many more. Get your books today at WrestleVille.com. Russellville. It's where wrestling lives. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It is your boy, the Pope Elijah Burke, and you'll listen to my main man, Vinny, on Russellville Podcast. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and my guest today is Pope Elijah Burke, professional wrestler of 20 years. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Blessed to be here with you, Daddy. And I'm excited to get ready to talk about and cover some of the things that I have done over these past 20 years. So let's get it. Man, what an amazing career, right? Where have you not wrestled? OVW, WWE, PNA. Uh, my goodness. I mean. Yeah, I was asking uh, that same question. And I think um, it was pretty cool up until the, what's the word, the, the founding of AEW that I had uh, wrestled in every major promotion uh, that there is up until uh, AEW. So obviously that's the only place uh, that I have not crossed yet. Now, I was watching you pretty regular on NWA, NWA Power. I have to, to say what I liked so much about you was I was buying what you were selling, man. True. true. Everything yeah. that you were, you know who you reminded me of? Who is that? Skandar Akbar from back, okay. in, back in the day when that guy was talking, when that guy was laying his spell yeah. down, it, you just kind of like, wow, that, that guy's, that guy's straight shooting it. Yeah. I kind of felt that same way with you that I was just buying everything you were selling. Where, where does that come from? I mean, because you believe. That's the bottom line. Um, I believe it and most of, nine out of 10 is because it's authentic. It's coming from within. Um, regardless of what the situation may be that I'm addressing or dealing with, uh, when you speak, you just have to find a place from within um, where you can connect with it, you know? So I like to tie a lot of things into what's going on into the rest of the world, uh, in, into my own world, you know? So I take a little of my reality and mix it in, and therefore I'm able to speak about something so passionately and, and with such conviction, because there's a part of me and there's there, there's a part of my reality that's actually uh, been inserted into that particular scenario, a situation that I'm um, addressing. But um, anytime, man, you mentioned Skandar Akbar, how cool is that? You don't hear a lot of people bring up Skandar Akbar. What a great world-class championship wrestling NWA. I mean, the dude, he, he's a legend. And anytime that I have uh, someone like yourself or anyone that can put me in the same sentence with some of these great uh, legendary uh, figures in the world of professional wrestling, man, that's a huge honor. Yeah. And when, when I heard you speaking, like on the first time when you came out and you were talking, you know, doing your interview, that was who I thought about. And I thought, I wonder if he spent some time watching him because I don't know, it was just, 
your presence just kind of the way you you just kind of laid down the law it just kind of reminded yeah. me of him right it's 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 a first i'll tell you that i mean I, i've gotten the dusty obvious the dusty rose who had a, a huge impact on my life and my career at uh, professional wrestling. Uh, obviously, I've gotten Ric Flair, you know, a little bit of Ric Flair in there. Um, and, and then some of the other greats, I've gotten a Thunderbolt Patterson reference as well. Tim and Dusty, you know, they kind of spoke alike anyway. And more so, Dusty spoke like him because Dusty spoke like a black man. Yeah. But you've had this, this long career. I'm sure it's, you know, when I'm looking at it, right, on the outside looking in, I think, wow, man, I mean, this is pretty awesome. Look look at where's he, where he's worked. But, you know, you've been on the other side of that. And so you know what the ups and downs are, and you know what it's like to be a professional wrestler for two decades. You right. Know, these young people coming up, what would you say about, you know, hey, put on your seatbelt? Well, yeah, right. Man, when it comes to the ups and downs and, and, and the ins and outs, um, man, temperament is something that got to be checked at the door when it comes to the world of professional wrestling um, because of everything that goes with it. Uh, you you got to be specially built. Um, you got to be equipped for this. A lot of people see the glitz and the glamour. They see TV and that's all they want. Um, they, they don't necessarily... Um, they haven't dealt with the politics. They haven't dealt with the long hours on the road. Uh, they haven't dealt with coming, being on the road, road for four or five days, coming home for two days and leaving again. They haven't dealt with the bumps and the, and the bruises. And um, it's crazy when you talk about the bumps and the bruises because today a lot more uh, are dealing with the bumps and the bruises and they're dealing with it a lot more uh, uh, quicker than individuals like myself who've been doing it for 20 years and you gotta ask yourself that question why is it why is so many young talent injured and on the shelf already it's probably because they're not using this as much as they they can so um uh i see the shelf life of professional wrestlers today uh shrinking going down the careers aren't going to be 20 years anymore just because of the style and the recklessness of many um, that they're portraying right now uh, in the ring. You're you're right. You're you're absolutely right. I do see that was actually watching some modern day stuff today. And I was just uh, thinking, wow, these guys are really hurting themselves. Yeah. Yeah. For little, for little to no reaction at that. Um, what a shame it is uh, to hurt yourself and people still look at it and go, ah, oh, it's fake, he's okay, you know? So I, I think the main part and the advice that I give to uh, the Russell twins and Isaiah Zane, you know, and, and even Dale, uh, the advice I give to those kids is to get the basics down and understand how to tell a story Storytelling is so important. Storytelling is so compelling because you can have a match that just has have moves and it won't mean anything. But you can have a match that have no moves except some fists and some kicks with some storytelling and it'd be much more entertaining to watch than the flips and the dives. Right. And if you're talking to somebody who's been 20 years in the business or somebody longer like uh, i've been spending a lot of time talking with black bart 
Okay. Oh, cool. Look at you, man. <laughs> and so Black Bart, I mean, you talk about storytelling, some of the things that they did and some of the angles that they, it's just, it's amazing how that was just what they did. It, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't about beating each other up, though, though, you know, he tells stories of him and Black Jack Mulligan and Ron Bass and all those guys were, you know, they were stiff, you know, they were stiff, but there were stories and there was people bought in and I'm sure you've heard the, the term uh, white hot heat. Have you heard oh, yeah. that term? Yeah, of course. Okay. So course. he was, he was telling me a story that they, you know, uh, the arena almost rioted. That's what you want to get. Right. We are an emotionally, or was at one point, and WWE still is, um, we're emotionally driven. Uh, business. We're an emotionally driven business. That's what you're supposed to do: in, invoke emotion um, from from the uh, audience. Uh, evoke emotion. You know, I was explaining to Polo Del Mar on my podcast, Post Point of View, with Elijah Burke. Um, Polo's my co-host. I was explaining to him anytime that we as performers can get lost in what's actually going on, watching another performer then you know that that performer is doing their job. And not to go into it, but just for a quick example, uh, Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn, this whole bloodline thing uh, that the WWE has been, you know, rolling with for a minute now. Um, so emotionally charged that match that they had in Elimination Chamber. And what is so important about that match is they take moments to allow things to settle. And not that they're just allowing the action to settle, they're actually putting over. They're reacting to what just happened. They're showing you their pain. They're showing you their frustration. They're showing you their disbelief. And you don't get that in, in, in matches that just got flips and dies uh, without reason around. Right, right. Yeah, and it takes me to a story that uh, Bart shared with me that uh, Sergeant Slaughter told him was, uh, hey, your face is a mask. <laughs> and, and and you need to tell that guy in the front row what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and you do that with your facial expressions. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. that's that's part of the storytelling too. Some of that's been lost, you know, and you know, but it's um it, it's special stuff that needs to, you know, needs to be uh talked about and needs to be uh passed on. Yeah, remedial. Yeah, yeah. that's what it is media training for a lot but um that's pretty cool you mentioned all these guys you know i had the opportunity obviously to work on the sarge and train on the sarge wow. you know and, and and the ricky morton and robert gibson and al snow and lance storm and danny davis and jim Cornette and, the, and arn anderson and fit finley so my my style of wrestling for instance there, there's a move that during my wwe days i became so accustomed to doing and well-known for it. It was called the Out of Limits Elbow Drop. It was a signature move of Pope's uh, or Elijah Burke where I run and I do a handstand, not a headstand, a handstand in the corner on the top turnbuckle and then come down and drop an elbow. Now, psychology-wise, I was doing this flashy move as a heel. And one day, Arn, you know, he was talking to me. He says, you know, they want me to have you to stop doing this and stop doing that. Because you're making the baby face, what are they going to do after you do something that impressive? So that's my Arn Anderson impression, by the way. <laughs> 
So he, Arn was saying, I got to pull you back from doing all of this cool stuff because the baby faces are, you know, that you're, they, they're not going to do anything to top that. But that stuck with me. And when I went on to TNA, uh, I, may, I may have done that move once or twice as the heel, but I stopped doing it because I'm the bad guy. I don't need to do something so flashy that I have the fans cheering me because I want all of their support to go to the good guy. So right. that's that's a little stuff like that. If the wrestlers today could understand it's not about being cool, it's about the story and they have a part. You know, you don't you don't see the villains, you know, they may have cool stuff, but it often backfires on them. Skeletor and He-Man, if I can use that Mamra, I'm telling my age, Mamra and Thundercats. You know, Cobra Commander, G.I. Joe, they had cool stuff, but it always backfired. So if you're going to do something cool, you have to let it backfire for the good guy to come out on top. So that's just a little psychology for Hill Babyface. Bart, and I say Bart because I, I have been talking to him quite quite often. Oh, wow. He he said uh, one time he almost got stabbed and he said, I didn't want to get stabbed, but it made me feel good because I was doing my job. I would love the opportunity to to cause havoc again. Uh, and, you know, um, I, I remember a remark from uh, Billy Corrigan was like, eh, I don't know, we may, you know, tease and want to go take Pope Hill. And I'm like, look, I can't do it right now. Uh, for the past 10 years, I'm saying to myself, for the past 10 years, I've, uh, you know, I've been running my charity. I don't want to diminish it because because even though people say, oh, so it's a work or it's fake or whatever they decide to use, it's entertainment. Although fans say that, they still can't separate the two. They can't separate the outside person from oftentimes from the character. Uh, and I'm telling you, if Pope goes heel, uh, the show goes black. It goes dark. I don't mean AEW dark. I mean, if Pope goes heel, Trust you me, I'll make him jump over the rail. I'll make him jump over the rail. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And that, and that. Hey, uh, golly, I'm bringing up all these guys from the past, but me and my sister couldn't stand Jimmy Coronet, right? Love. I mean, same thing with Jim. And, and I, I learned on the Jim again. Jim was the first guy. Imagine this this little black Afro-Haired kid coming from Jacksonville, Florida, going up there to Louisville, training in OBW. And this guy, Jim Cornette, somebody that I watched, grew up watching and loved to hate, fell in love with me, and I fell in love with him. He's the first guy to give me my actual legit push in the business. Pushed me, Pope, this little, pushed me without a contract well past the guys that was already under contract for WWE Developmental. And was determined to get me a contract, get me signed because he knew my talent. And so, yeah, so uh, it was crazy because at the time, WWE Developmental was OBW, and, and their guys were the guys that were supposed to be pushed to be on top. And Jim Cornette took a, a, a nobody in this world of professional wrestling. One year in, pushed me straight to the top. Well, good. He put uh, his money on the right man. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned all those guys, uh, all those guys, uh, Danny Davis, and all, all the names that you mentioned a few minutes ago. But, you know, what a learning tree that is. And and it, it 
it equates to why you're probably in the business as long as you've been, right? I mean, if you're listening to these guys who Al Snow and all these names that you mentioned, I mean, if you're open sponge and listening to those people, how can you not? Sit yeah, I mean, and one of the one of the first things I learned. Yeah, but work smarter, not harder. And that doesn't mean take a day off. That doesn't mean just go and walk through a match. What that means is there are certain aspects of matches that requires certain amount of physicality, certain amount of, of storytelling, certain amount of psych- this, that, or the other. So I'm not going to go to the ring uh, if, if I have a match that is designed for me to what they call get over. I'm not about to go out here and wrestle with, if I'm here on the card and I have someone here that I'm wrestling, why would I go out there and work this like I'm working the main event match? That's what the term work smarter, not harder means. You know, you do what you do uh, to give this guy that's underneath, to give him something to make him credible, and then you beat him. So that way you beat somebody. But now, it seems as if, and WWE did start bringing back, we don't call them, we call them not enhancement matches. They did start bringing back a couple on Raw here and there, you know, um, to get the giant over Omas, you know, beating three guys or whatnot or four. But that's the point. You know, now you see matches where you see a, someone who has legit star credibility against someone who's not even received on a star level but they're out there going 10, 15 minutes like, like they're in a feud. That's not working smart. That's working harder for no reason. You're rowing, you're rowing upstream uh, uh, with no result because at the end of the day, that's a one-off. You beat that guy, and he's still not elevated. And if anything, you've been devalued. You've been brought down some because now you're on that guy's level. Let's talk about the Russell Twins, uh, nice guys, and, and and working hard, working hard. What was it about those young men that that you just took a liking to? What was it that you saw in them? They wanted. They 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 absolutely have displayed uh, the same type of passion uh, that that I have and and had when I got into this business. Uh, they're they're trying to be a sponge and and they want it i mean they're the type of they're the type of kids that if they were around me right now and i said put your shorts on we're finna roll around um in the basement they're ready they're like let's do it and so when you got individuals like those two and Isaiah zane that loves loves uh uh to learn and want to grow, uh, it just it that that won me over. It's like okay, like these boys, they really and they listen, and they make their mistakes. They they bring they come back and they ask me to critique them. They bring their matches. We'll do their matches. We'll watch them even you know on share screen like we're doing right now. And um you know they want to be told the truth. They want they want to do whatever they can in their power to excel in this business. And I'm going to do everything in my power to assist them in doing so. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, when when they told me that you were mentoring them and helping them, I. I just thought, wow. They've been the Love Alive Charities Tag Team Champion. Yeah. 
because uh, you know for my charity, which we'll close on, but I don't want to get too far into it. But I run, I run um, charity uh, events uh, under my charity banner. To it's a fundraising show, but nonetheless, uh, I've been doing this for five years now, and um, they have been my tag team champions. AR2, that's Alan Russell. He has been my my heavyweight champion for the Love Alive charity. Uh, those boys. Another thing that won me over. They come from New Orleans, obviously, and I'm from Jacksonville. And every time I've been downtown feeding the homeless, clothing the homeless, shoes, hygiene products, and we feed them directly out of Burger King, by the way. We don't feed them lunch, you know, brown paper bags of peanut butter. No, we feed them Burger King, what we take take for granted. Those boys, from the very moment they came into my life, made sure they have attended every single annual event, uh, our big event for the Love Live Charity. And every other event I've had, they're there. They just want to be a part. They want to help. They want to be a part of giving back. And then, of course, uh, it goes without saying, they just want to be around knowledge so they can soak it up and um, apply it in their daily life. Right, right. And when they told me that, you know, you were working with them and helping them, I just thought, man, you can't ask for somebody better in their corner you know i mean someone with the experience that you have you know it's just i thought wow that, that's why i wanted to talk to you i've seen them in person a few times at a show they come to south texas from time to time and they look, I, good. They look good yeah <laughs> i'm proud of them I, I'm, I'm proud of them they're, they're like uh you know it's more than just um a mentorship they're like my little brothers they they they, they really are and um, I, you know, I don't play about them. You know, they, they can handle themselves or whatnot. But uh, on that brother term, even if they ran into an issue um, or somebody ran into an issue with them where they had a problem with them, they would have to see both. Uh, because I would, you know, I don't play about them boys. I, I will knock someone that I would knock them out over them. Yeah. I really would. Let me say that again. Let me be clear. I will knock someone the hell out when it comes to them boys. That's it. Carry on. It, it's got to be good for them to be able to come to you and just say, hey, man, how do you do this? Or if this comes up, how do we handle this? Or, you know, if a promoter says this, what do we say? You know? It's right. And, and that's what I give. And, and that's, but that's important. And, and just let me back up for a second. I'll knock them the hell out, too. Let me be clear. All right. Uh, yeah. So I don't uphold wrong. So, uh, yeah, and they've gotten, they've gotten, they've gotten some. Um, but, yeah, it's very important because, again, they're still relatively new in this business. So um, understanding, as, as you mentioned when we first started, about buckling up and, you know, to, to, to explain a 20-year career what to expect. So I try to share all of that with them. I try to share what the politics of it is. I try to share how to approach situations, how to approach promoters. And I try to tell them that, look, even though you have this uh, to do when you get to this promotion, a promoter can require you to do something and it's up to you to go out there and do it. The promoter's not wrestling. I don't care what it is. You can go out there and make sense of anything. I mean, just look at look at Dusty Rose in the polka dots. You can go out and make it work. Look at Ric Flair being buried in the desert. Look at Ric Flair being put in, a, in an insane asylum. It's up to you to make it work. You can do that. Hornswoggle. Yeah, Hornswoggle. 
carrying around a little Shelton on his shoulder. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we uh, got a few minutes left. Let, let's talk about your charity. How did that all come about? What was that that, I guess, what inspired you to do that? I'm going to try to do this in, in under two minutes or less. So I grew up in it. I grew up. I, I stayed downtown in Jacksonville, Florida. Right now, my three childhood homes are under the Jacksonville Memorial Coliseum and this parking lot. Okay, so I can't drive by my little home, three homes that I grew up in as a kid on Spearing Street, uh, like everybody do with Michael Jackson's little house in Gary, Indiana. So I don't have that privilege anymore because all of that's been torn down. I used to have to walk to the store and I'm the baby of six and was the baby of four brothers, uh, three brothers older than me living in the house where oftentimes I walk to the local Winn-Dixie or Kroger's or whatever that may be for you. And I had to go get the cereal. I wanted to, you know, it got me a chance to get out of the house, but I made that, you know, a quarter of a mile uh, walk or so to uh, the store and I have to step over people that are laying um, on the sidewalk or, or people that are homeless asking a, a eight, nine or 10 year old for some change, okay? So I always made it, you know, um, my point that if I ever make it, uh, if I ever get to a point to where I can, I was gonna give back. I was gonna try to be the change that I wish to see in the world. And that's my, that's the slogan of my charity, simply being the change that we wish to see in the world. But one particular incident, I got uh, our moment, I was at McDonald's meeting a family member. And while we were outside in the parking lot talking, McDonald's was closed on the inside, uh, open, I think driveway, or maybe not, but nonetheless, it was it was closed. And while we were talking, I saw this man walk up and take the top off of the trash, dig in there, found a bag, pull something out, found a half-eaten burger, whatever it was, and immediately started eating it. Immediately. So that's where the idea, so you know what? Those people took that meal for granted. They took... They, they paid their money, they took it for granted, and yet somebody else came and went in the trash and got it because it was a meal for them. So that's where the idea to feed them out of the actual restaurant, the homeless, the sheltered, the impoverished, and anybody that just needs it. You know, one guy came up to me, he was driving a Dodge Charger. He said, hey man, me and my wife, I wanna get something for me and my wife. I said, what you mean? He said, man, we living in our car. My wife, she's, you know, she's over in the car and she, you know, she's uh, immobile. And he said, you can come with me and look. And I was a little skeptical. And I went out, I walked with him. We, we grabbed the burgers and the cheeseburgers and some drinks and stuff. I walked with him. And sure enough, the back of his Dodge Charger, even though it looked good, he had all of their stuff in there. They had been living in the car. So you never judge a book by a cover. And so um, that that that's just one of the instances. And um, it, it's just in my heart just to help. Uh, help people. And um, sometimes it's a, a burden, but it, it's not one that the good Lord didn't place on me that I can't handle. So that's why I need everybody's support, by the way. I'm not government funded. I want to thank you, Vinny, for supporting my charity. You didn't have to do it, but you did. So I appreciate you for supporting my charity. Uh, I always ask people just to give $1. You know, if you don't, I know it's hard to part with your money, but everybody's playing lottery. Everybody stops and gets something to eat. Everybody will get their cigarettes or their drink, whatever the case may be. But it's your money, I understand. But if you can throw that a couple of bucks, head over to love-alive.org.
okay? And you can read about the charity. We are 501c3. We're not government funded. We operate off of the donations of the public. And you can also donate via Cash App, Money Sign, the Love Alive charity. Bam, I think I covered it all. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I'm glad you did too, because when uh, the Russell twins were talking about it, um, I could tell that it meant something to them that when they were participating with you and um yeah so that's that's awesome that i'm i'm obviously you get a lot of satisfaction out of out of doing that and i'm sure the people who help you do too yeah it's just to see the smiles on their listen that's all that's all we're working for it my, my charity name is called the love alive charity again just dropped in my spirit dropped in my heart because everybody is loved amazingly loved once they're gone. Think about that. Once they leave, look at all the tributes, look at all of this and that. You know, I have something, you know, uh, whether I'm right or wrong for feeling this way, uh, I stand by it. Uh, when, when when my friend Jay Briscoe passed, you know, uh, they, they weren't allowed on the AEW television for whatever reason. Not saying it is Tony Khan's fault, maybe it was Discovery, but then the man passed and now we can allow him to be on television and his brother now got a contract thankfully, but now they can be seen on television. Like, love me, give me my flowers while I'm here. Because once I'm gone, it's not for me, it's just for everybody else that loves me. So so that's where the name Love Alive come from. And um, I hope that I'm fortunate enough that if I am to be the recipient of anyone's love, they just let me know it without any grandeur, you know, without any big special. Okay, just let me know. That's all. Just let me know. Do that. You can do that by supporting me as well. We'll we'll put a link up on on my website as well for you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it's something I I believe in, and and definitely people. Well, you know, I can only give a little bit. It only takes a little bit. That's it. That's right? it. That's it. And one 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 gentleman. Think about everybody that went through the job losses. They went through their losing their homes when they're out of work, COVID, and all this other stuff. Whatever the case may be, I always tell people that not everybody is on the street at their own will. Some people couldn't afford house insurance and the house burned down. Some people was living in an apartment and, and the fire got shot and they got displaced. They lost everything that they have. You know, so we can't be too quick to judge people. We just can't. You know, I understand that not everybody out there that you give something to are going to have the best intentions uh, by, our, by our merit. But you know what? The best place I like to be at times is in my bed asleep. You know why, Benny? That's because when I'm dreaming, I'm in the best place that I want to be, unless it's a nightmare. But I'm in the best place. So when that when that homeless person decides they want to go get uh, some liquor or some beer, I'm not going to judge them for that because that puts them in a rea- an augmented reality, a place to where they can escape their everyday reality that they live with. So I'm not going to hold that against them. I'm just not. Because some of you, some of you are doing the same thing and you got a place to live and you turn up the bottle just to get rid of your reality and put you in an augmented state. So I always think about that before you, you know, worry about what they do and go get a beer. I think I'd rather be out of my mind too when I know that I got to sleep on a freaking cold concrete under a bridge overpass or in a bus stop. So it is what it is. Yeah. Just do whatever you can do to be the change that you wish to see. Don't blame the government. Don't talk about this, that, and the other. You just do your part. It's for you. It helps make you a better person. Amen. And that will say 
Thank you very much, Pope. I I enjoyed it so much. And uh, we're going to have to do this again for sure. Yeah, man, because you see, you get me worked up when we start talking about my charity. Now, we talk wrestling, I'm all good. But boy, when we start talking about that, it gets me worked up. I'm going to start breaking the sweat up in here, man. That's okay. That's okay. Not, not to start preaching to the choir. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you, Betty. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast, where wrestling lives. the Northern Wrestling Federation in the book presented by Russellville.com, The Pro Wrestling Fall, Volume 2. Hear the story of Roger Ruffin, the man who trained, Carl Anderson, the Monster Abyss, Jordan Clearwater, Chris Harris, and Jillian Hall. Get your book today at Russellville.com. Russellville, it's where wrestling lives.